if you're here in the space, uh, a warm welcome, particularly to family and friends of Adrian and Debbie Brown, who will be renewing their wedding vows in a little while. Uh, and a warm welcome to you also, if you're joining us through a screen somewhere, uh, wherever you are, uh, it's good to have you with us. And we trust that you will have that sense of God's presence uh, as we worship together. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. So we will join our words to the words of the heavens as we worship together. If you're able, please stand and we'll sing, Praise is Rising. Father God, we're 
So glad to be able to come together in this way to worship, to sing your praises, to bring our prayers, to offer thanks, to bring our concerns, and we'll do that in a little while, but just to know that you are God and that you are here and you're ready to hear from us and you want to hear from us. We're sorry, Lord, when we we don't take that seriously enough. We struggle and, and... muddle along really in our own strength and you're just waiting for us to come and say please help and you stand ready to do that we're thankful father and we pray that you will help us to just realign our thinking help us to see straight to have a right understanding of the world that we live in to know that you are god and that you care for us, and indeed for all that you have made. We are sorry when we get this so very badly wrong. We're sorry when we ignore you, sorry when we struggle on without you. We pray that you will help us, as we've already said, to to just realign the way that we think. So when we think the wrong things, when we say the wrong things, when we do the wrong things, Lord, We just want to come openly confessing that. Praying that you will receive us once again, that you will forgive us, renew us, refresh us, and help us to begin again. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, We've already said it's a delight to have the family and friends of Adrian and Debbie with us this morning for the renewal of their wedding vows. We're at that place now where we want to do that, so if I can invite the two of you to come up, and if you'll stand just there and face one another, all right? And it's exactly as we did it when we were in your little flat, all right? God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Marriage is a way of life founded in God. It is his gift to us to help a man and woman find companionship, help, and comfort. It's also a means of grace in which husband and wife may find fulfillment of human love in tenderness and respect. In Christian marriage, God makes his servants one. Their life together is a witness to his love in this troubled world. A love by which unity overcomes division, forgiveness heals injury, and joy triumphs over sorrow. By marriage, God enriches society and strengthens the sanctity of family life. Adrian and Debbie are here today to celebrate their marriage and to reaffirm their commitment to this way of life, which God has provided and Christ has blessed. We rejoice with them and support them with our prayers. Let us pray. Living God, we thank you for all the ways by which your love reaches us, through family and relations, whose care and trust have helped us, through friends and companions, whose patience and concern have brought us strength and hope. We thank you for the love Adrian and Debbie of Adrian and Debbie. Fill their hearts with the presence of Christ as they recommit themselves to each other. 
We pray that the new joy he brings will make their lives new. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now then, if you would take your wife's hand in both of yours, and the other one as well, hold, use both hands to hold her hand. All right, we'll do it that way, that's fine, yeah. So, <clears throat> I'm starting with you, all right? I, Adrian, in the presence of God, renew my commitment to you, Debbie, as your husband. I give thanks that you have shared my life. All that I am and all that I have, I continue to share with you. Whatever the future holds, I will love you and stand by you as long as we both shall live. Your turn. I, Debbie, in the presence of God, renew my commitment to you, Adrian, as your wife. I give thanks that you have shared my life. All that I am and all that I have, I continue to share with you. Whatever the future holds, I will love you and stand by you as long as we both shall live. Friends, will you, the family and friends of Adrian and Debbie who have gathered here today, continue to uphold them in their marriage? If you will do so, please stand now. Yeah, they're all standing up. Well done. <laughs> Let us pray. Generous God, your Son has shown us how to love and invites us to love one another as he loves us. We pray for Adrian and Debbie with their shared memories of the past, of joy and laughter, sadness and disappointment, forgiving and being forgiven. By your Spirit, help them to put their trust in you, to guide and guard them in the future. Loving God, we thank you that in our earthly life, you may speak to us of eternal life. Help us to know more clearly, to love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you very much, friends. If you would sit, you can let go if you want to. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? Right, a, a prayer of blessing upon you both. The riches of God's grace be upon you that you may continue in faith and love and receive the blessing of eternal life. Now the Lord bless you and guard you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look kindly upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you both very much indeed. That concludes that part. We're going to sing together once again. This is a song that uh, Debbie and Adrian have chosen, 10,000 Reasons, and it just encompasses the whole of the life that we live from the very beginning to the very end. It's a fantastic song and very appropriate for this occasion. So if you're able, friends...
please stand as we sing together. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship again we've come to say thank you in this most practical of ways please take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom amen our junior church going out you're staying in jolly good do sit down friends jump the next slide <laughs> we uh, 
we will hear from God's Word. The reading this morning is taken from Act 6, verse 1 to 7, the choosing of the seven. In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of the God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I wondered who Leslie was going to ping with all those names. And it was you, brother. Well done. (laughs) He did very well indeed. Yes. Very well indeed. So, now then. Last week, we considered this growing church and the way in which uh, persecution came. Oh, wait a minute, I've jumped. I need to do the intercessions first, and then we'll come to the sermon. Let us pray. Father God, once again, it's good to come and bring our concerns to you. Uh, The world that we live in is not as it should be, and we've said in previous weeks at this point in the service. There's a, there's a danger that we could be overwhelmed by everything that we see coming through our screens and in our newspapers and via the radio in, in terms of just the news that, that is around. And there is much that concerns us. Afghanistan is still in a mess. Lots of people are hungry there is massive difficulty in that place. Ukraine still at war uh, with its neighbor, Russia, through no fault of their own. Uh, And that is having massive knock-on effects for the rest of the world. In Sri Lanka, there's great unrest. We wonder quite what will happen in all of these places. We know it's way beyond our pay grade. There's nothing we can do, that's for sure, apart from what we're doing now, which is to pray. It helps us to know 
that we can do this, that we can come to you and that we can speak to you about these things. We pray that you will continue to be at work through your people in each of these places. We know that you are because sometimes we see that. A couple of Sundays ago, uh, there was a focus on Ukraine. We're aware, Lord, that our sisters and brothers in Christ are doing all that they can in these difficult places. Agencies that we are in touch with uh, through BMS and other charities are at work and they're doing great things. We pray that you will encourage them and that they will continue to do all that they can in your name. We're thankful, Father, for the positive things that are going on in the world too. Very often, uh, sport is overlooked when I come to pray in this slot. That probably says more about me than it does about you, Lord. But we are thankful for all that's going on in our country right now in terms of sport and celebration. Um, some people will be interested in the golf. Others will be interested in the women's football. The Commonwealth Games will start shortly in our country. There's much to celebrate, Lord, and there is, uh, there is representation uh, from our nation uh, in all of these contests still, which is quite a surprise, maybe. But we're thankful for the way in which, um, when national teams do well, that lifts the spirits of so many in our nation. We also want to thank you too, Lord, for Adrian and for Debbie and for the way in which they've recommitted themselves to one another this morning, renewed their wedding vows, renewed their desire to make their relationship work. This is a great encouragement to all of us and especially to those of us that are in long-term committed relationships or married to one another. It is very encouraging to witness that happening. And if we are married or if we are in long-term commitment to another, help us to say how much we appreciate one another, maybe later today. We know that there are some challenges coming up in the next day or two because of the extreme weather in our country. It's unusual for it to get so hot. Help us all to be sensible, to stay in the shade, take on plenty of water, look out for one another and for ourselves. We are aware too, Lord, that there will be a number of folk that we know that are unwell. Some of them are very sad. Some are grieving. Some may be dying. 
if we know anyone like that, we just picture them in our mind's eye right now. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will come to them by the power of your Spirit, that you will bring hope, that you will bring comfort, that you will bring healing. We thank you that you're a God who not only hears prayer, but you're a God who answers. We gather up all of our prayers in the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Right, now we can do the sermon. <laughs> so last week we were thinking about this growing church that's doing really nicely, uh, and the fact that there was persecution uh, from without. Uh, today, we think about a growing church that's doing very nicely, and we become aware uh, that there is sort of an internal grumbling. Um, it's good to have a growing church. It's good to be involved and engaged uh, with a church that is growing. I mean, it, it, it's, it's necessary. If the church is not growing, then effectively it's dying. So uh, we need to do all that we can. Uh, to make sure that we continue to make Jesus known uh, in our locality and beyond. And please God, some folk will attend church as a result of all the work that we're doing and the things that we're saying. Um, but it, when you are doing all of that, uh, don't be surprised if opposition comes from without in, in the form of persecution, as we considered last week. Uh, and also from within, this sort of murmuring that goes on. And this, this of course, is... Satan's strategy, uh, the enemy, uh, our enemy, the enemy of all Christians everywhere, just wants to divide and rule. Uh, he wants to make uh, individuals and groups within churches feel isolated. He'll look for any fault line uh, and, you know, just try and drive a wedge into that. Uh, and in this instance... Uh, there is a practical issue, there's a difficulty between <clears throat> the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. Well done. Uh, that's to either the, uh, the Greek-speaking Jews on the one hand uh, and those that have come from a Jewish background that, that find their culture in the Hebrew world. Uh, so how does the fledgling church handle this? Well, the first thing that they do is they, ac they acknowledge the problem and it, the problem is basically injustice. Uh, there, there was an in, uh, their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, you, you can understand how difficult that would be, you know, to have broadly two groups in the church and one group getting lots and the other group getting nothing. And we're supposed to be sisters and brothers in Christ, and how does this work? And it, in practice, this looks wrong. So what are we going to do about it? So, uh, the first thing they do is they actually acknowledge that there is a problem. The second thing 
is that the leaders take action. Uh, and there's no imposition from the top, not really. Um, they listen to begin with. There's a consultation. The 12 gather all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom and we'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. There's trust here in both directions. Uh, the apostles trust the people to choose wisely. Uh, and when the people have chosen the seven, the apostles do not quibble. They don't say, well, don't like the look of that one, and I'm not sure about that one. The rest are all right. There's none of that. They just agree. Yeah, you want these folk? You think they're right? Good. Uh, I'm the minister of the Baptist church. Every year, on a rotational basis, uh, some deacons come up for re-election. And I encourage you to think and to pray about who you might think God is calling to serve among us. I hope that's what you do. And not just look for someone who's willing, because that's always a risk with our sort of church governance. <clears throat> oh, they look like they might do a good job. I wonder if they'd be willing I'll ask them, would you be willing? Oh, yes, thank you. No, that's not the way it happens. Well, it's not the way it should happen. What should happen is prayerful thought and consideration. And then, you know, as God drops a name into your ear, or as you bump into somebody and you're maybe having a chat with them, uh, and God just goes, that, that, that's the one. Then you say to them, I think God might be asking you to offer yourself as a deacon. Would you be willing? Uh, and there is this back and forth, and there is trust in both directions. Somebody said to me once, a long time ago, in a different church, do you ever choose when it comes to deacons? And I said, no, I don't get involved in any of that, ever because I don't think it would be wise for me as the minister to do that. What you don't want as a minister is, you know, a hand-picked group around you that will not tell you what's going on, that won't tell you the truth, that are there because of your patronage. <clears throat> so I've always just said to God, whoever you bring, that's whoever I will work with. And I've always done that over the time I've been a minister. And by and large, it has worked pretty well, I have to say, uh, and continues to work pretty well. I better say that now, hadn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll all be thinking, oh, well, who doesn't he like? <laughs> I like all of them. I'm very glad uh, to have the deacons that I've got in this church. The third thing they do is they accept the limitations that are placed upon them just by the fact that they are who they are. Um, it's very straightforward. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. They know what they have been called to do. Their task uh, <clears throat> is to give our attention to prayer 
and the ministry of the word. That's what they are called to do. This admin task, uh, which is very important and very significant, uh, will be carried out by seven others chosen by the church at large. So there's, uh, there's something here for us. You, you play to your strengths effectively. Uh, and you, know, you, you have your minister to do a particular thing. You have your deacons to do particular things. Uh, everybody plays to their strengths. You can't do everything. Uh, and in a, a church like ours, uh, which historically you know, has a doctrine called the priesthood of all believers, that, what that means is anyone that is a Christian can approach God directly. We don't need a, another human mediator. Uh, you don't need a priest to pray for you, although sometimes it is helpful to have that. But you can go directly to God and you can say to God everything and anything that is on your heart. You can go with all of your thanksgiving and praise. You can go with all of your intercession. You can go with all of your sorrowing over your own sinfulness. And you can just lay all of that before God directly. You don't need another human mediator because we believe that Jesus has done that on the cross. That's what has happened. So now we have direct access to God through what Jesus did on the cross. The priest, that's what the priesthood of all believers means. It doesn't mean that everybody in the church can do anything and everything that a minister does. We know that, actually, in reality. But sometimes we think that's what it means, and that's not what it means. So play to your strengths. <clears throat> Some of you in this place are really good at preaching. You should do that. Some of you are really good at leading worship, and you should do that. Some of you are really good at making tea, and you should do that. Which one is more important? None of them. They are all equally important. When we come to the end of the service, as we will eventually, I promise, <laughs> uh, there will be a cup of tea, coffee, a little cold drink if you want it. And I'm thankful to those that serve in that way because that facilitates conversation. That's why so many of you hang about afterwards and we can't get rid of you. We can't get you out because you like to have a cup of tea and you like to have a chat. That's good. We need that to happen. It helps to build fellowship. It helps to build friendship. It helps to build that sense of belonging together. So is being the one that makes the tea just as important as the fellow that stands at the front doing what I'm doing now? Well, of course. Of course. You can't do everything. The apostles will devote themselves to prayer and ministry of the word and the administration of the distribution of food to the widows will be handed over to the seven there is no question of one being more important than the other. Look at the qualifications that the seven need. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Full of the Spirit and wisdom. It is important. 
it is important that even the least of us, uh, as we might consider it, understand the significance and importance that we hold in God's kingdom and in God's sight. Both the seven and the apostles are vital to the future growth and well-being of the church. Paul will elaborate on that at some length in his letter to the Corinthian church and to the Roman church. Uh, he will say the church is like a body, a human body, you know, and, and Jesus is the head and the rest of us are all the different bits and pieces that make the body up and make it work. Uh, and you will know, friends, if you have ever been ill or if you are struggling with anything at the moment, when your body does not work properly, uh, it is a proper nightmare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's not easy. I mean, just to, to try and get through the day. So it is important that we all function properly within the body of the church so that we can be and do all that we should be and do uh, for God's sake. Now, the result of choosing these lovely folk, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, they present these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. What happens? So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So there's an acceleration of the growth of the kingdom. Um, because the apostles handled this conflict correctly, the word of God spreads, the number of disciples increases rapidly. And in the Greek, that's uh, the tense of uh, the word for increased rapidly, is the imperative tense. That means the church grew continuously, Every day, more and more and more were added to their number. It's continuous growth. Job done then, everything's great, everything's lovely, no need to worry. Well, actually, no. Uh, this is not the end of the problems for the church. Any student of church history will tell you that from this moment onwards, there are always problems for the church. Uh, it's not the end of difficulty. But those difficulties that we've reflected on here were in fact a springboard for growth. And possibly, whatever difficulties might come our way, well, I wonder, could they be a springboard for growth for us here in this place? May it be so. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your word and for all that it teaches us. Thank you for this piece that we've been reflecting on today. There was a problem in the church and the leaders dealt with it wisely and sympathetically and properly and as a result, your church grew. We pray, Father, for all those that lead in our church minister and deacons together and others. And we pray, Lord, that we might be full of wisdom, 
that we might be attentive to your leading and guiding, that we might have the trust of all the people, and that we might see your church grow in its turn in this place. May it be so, Lord, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing together once again, uh, holy overshadowing, and after we've sung this, we'll gather around the Lord's table. So if you're able, please stand as we sing together.
can sit down. <laughs> uh, if you would not normally uh, be present for uh, communion in this church, it's very straightforward. Um, when I've done the introductory words and uh, we're ready, we'll, the deacons will bring the elements around the bread and the wine. If you don't want to take bread or wine, that's absolutely fine. Just let them pass by or pass them on yourself to the next person. Uh, and, uh, you know, no one will think anything of that. But if you would like to take it, and I'm just wondering to yourself, well, I don't normally, normally come here, is it okay? The answer is yes, it is okay. If you want to be a part of this, you can be. Uh, listen to the words of the invitation. If you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbors and are resolved to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy, and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. We read that Jesus gave thanks for bread and for wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. We do indeed give you thanks, Lord, for bread and for wine, ordinary things, which become extraordinary in your hand, symbolic of your broken body and your poured out blood, that we might be healed, that we might be free, 
that we might be all that you want us to be. As we eat and drink, may we do so with thankful hearts. Amen. So after he'd given thanks, the Lord took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. We shall eat the bread as we receive it. Sit down. Body of Christ broken for you. Body of Christ broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. We retain the cup and drink together.
Friends, it is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. We sing our closing song together, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. If you're able, please stand. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. 
May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Together. 